It's essential to understand that somebody is entrusting you with their life, their household, their family, and revealing something they may not want to reveal. Understanding that up front is very key. I'm Ian Harvey from New York City, and you're listening to You're a Financial Planner, Now What? The podcast to help you fast track your career by bringing you meaningful conversations on topics that influence new financial planners, their careers, and the lives of their clients. Today, I'm chatting with Preston Cherry, a CFP professor and the author of the upcoming book, Statements. Preston is also the founder and president of Concurrent Financial Planning Center, a comprehensive financial planning firm serving households and business owners across generational lines. Up next, you'll hear about Preston's business ventures, his passion for mentorship, the power of finding what you want to do within the profession, and switching career paths at any age. When you think about the work of financial planners, do you think of words like passion, purpose, and impact? If not, then something just isn't right. I'm Kate Healy, Managing Director of Generation Next at TD Ameritrade, and we believe that empowering people to live their best lives is a noble calling. The independent REAs who work with us use their passion to help transform client lives, communities, and their own futures. Want to learn more about how we can support you in helping your clients reach their financial goals? Find out more at tdainstitutional.com. I'm here at the FBA Annual Conference in the podcast booth, and I have Preston Cherry here with me. And I was just introducing Preston to to one of my other friends here and hadn't met him before. And as I was trying to describe him, I was like, he's one of us. He gets it. He sees this bigger picture. He gets financial planning. He's he's one of us. Um, So I am so excited to introduce introduce Preston to our audience today. So thank you for joining us. Hi, Hannah. It's been a while. (laughs) It has. I know. You've been on my list to like be on the this podcast. Um, so as we were talking about this podcast and I was asking you kind of what, what is your focus right now? Like you are doing a lot of different things from academia to mentoring to having your own practice. There's so many things that we're going to dive into. You're writing a book, lots of good things on this podcast, but what is really like, what are you most proud of that you're doing right now? Most proud of, well, thank you for the introduction. <laughs> um, you know, I'm most, I'm most proud of impact really just make an impact on people's lives. Uh, it may, that may sound cliche or maybe not, you know. Uh, I was watching a TV show the other day and it said, you know, about cliches. He's like, why are you using so many cliches? And he says, because they work. Because <laughs> they're true. Yes, and they, and they do work. Uh, but yes, it is delivering impact and measurable impact at that. Uh, some of my current students that, that I teach and, and, and past students that have gra- graduated have gone on and either opened up firms or or working with firms, and they reach back out to me via LinkedIn, or I even got a handwritten note from a young person, and I thought that was old school. And uh, this particular student said, you know, I really appreciate uh, how you delivered the instruction and just shared with us about real-life uh, events that, that are coming our way. And, and when he said that in a handwritten note, that actually just touched me and I said, that's the impact that I'm, that I'm talking about. And uh, I had another student that launched his virtual firm like mine and um, you know, I was coaching him through that process. And he took a lot of advice, so it just wasn't me. I mean, he had to have the ability and the willingness and all that to do it. So I'm not taking credit for his, uh, for his success. However, he just said that on LinkedIn just yesterday. He said, I couldn't have done that without you. And I, I just want to willingly and freely give my time to those that are willing to take it and do something with it. Professors are one of the most interesting groups within financial planning. And I'm just, I just, I love the professors that are in financial planning because I think 
they, they really care about this. Is that what brought you into kind of pursuing, because I know you're in a PhD program because you want to be in academia on top of having your own practice. Is that kind of what drove you into, into furthering your education? Well, <laughs> what really my, my dad used to have is, his, he still does actually, he has his name on his license plate for uh, years since I've, since I've been a child. So what really drove me in being a PhD was having a cool license plate. So, <laughs> so my license plate is going to say PhD, PDC. So that's number one, to be honest. So that's what got me in. <laughs> but, I really hope it's not already taken. Yeah, it's, I hope it's not either. So <laughs> at the DMV at Texas, I let them know I'm coming. <laughs> but, uh, no, but, but no, that's actually true. But after, after that is I, I wanted to, after I left industry, and I've, I've done several things, managed money, wholesaler, financial planner, and whatnot, uh, I wanted to see what I could do next. Uh, I, I've never truly ans- a- answered this question for myself, which is, you know, what do you want to do and how do you want to maximize your own potential, Preston? You know, and, a- and ask that question to myself in a mirror. And I, and I didn't have an answer for that, so I allowed myself to dream without any ceiling. And one of the things where it was a PhD, and it's because it to give me a larger platform to make that impact, like I mentioned. And my niece, she was born back in 2008. She's 11 now. And to, she, she, when she comes to tech, right, she, she visited tech about a month ago. And she has tech everything, tech earrings, tech every, I mean, tech toothbrush, tech. <laughs> but it's not even not about the, the tech thing about it. It's about her seeing, you know, her uncle opening up doors and she can dream without limit. And we have a close relationship, and that's one of the things that's been driving me other than a license plate. But, but no, that, I see her a lot. And she speaks on how this influence, she's at KIPP Academy now, and, and she tells her instructors, she's like, you know, my uncle is doing the PhD. And uh, I'm glad she's speaking on that because it shows her opportunity and, and, and dream boundless and limitless and maximize your opportunity because I always didn't do that in my lifetime. So now that I have the opportunity you know, with my, you know, newfound clarity and, and all that the last four or five years, then that's all I want to do is maximize myself every day to the best of my ability. I love that story with your niece. And I know we often talk about the impact we have with clients and different things. But when we really pursue our passions or our dreams, it impacts the people in our lives. Mm-hmm. And, and I love that. Like, I, I know it's easy to forget that, but but yeah. that's really powerful. Yeah. I, you know, there was some times in my life to where I, I share openly that uh, I've had a, I had a, gr- I had a great childhood, you know, there's always something in people's childhood. Right. But I, my parents have been married 41 years. I'm about to go visit them in, in a couple of days to celebrate that. Uh, so my childhood was good. I was exposed to education. Um, so I, I had opportunity, but then, you know, uh, at some part, some point in my life, you know, I had a, like a little dark stage where I just was lost and self-destruction and whatnot. And as my mom shares with me, she goes, those weren't wasted years like you think. Forgive yourself. Uh, but those were just lessons that you can, you know, she goes, now you're using those to, to do the impact that I was talking about. So when she told me that, I got more comfortable with my own past, just going up, you know, success and where you're getting is not linear. It's all, Amen. you know. So yeah. after getting through that, that period of trying to, do the second round of self-discovery, I was like, okay, I, I'm tired of not maximizing myself. And that's all I wanted 
are continue to want to do right now is show people that you just have the opportunity to maximize yourself. You really don't even have bosses. Yes, you have to respect the hierarchy of any type of firm. And if you have your own business, your bosses are your clients. Uh, however, when you wake up in the morning and live in gratitude, then you're your own boss because you want to maximize yourself because you're living in gratitude of the opportunity that you have to wake up that day. When did you decide that you were going to go the professor route and the academia route? Well, you know, uh, I'm, I'm not leaving the practice because uh, that's what I like to do as well. So I have two passions and, yeah. and, I, and I've been given the gift of, of speaking. So I'm going to be in the speaking circuit as well. Uh, but yeah, academia came into play. It, it was the pursuit of, it, it was something left on the table as far as the PhD pursuit. And I remember I was talking about, you know, dreaming big. Well, uh, I had a four-year relationship with a firm where I was a mutual fund wholesaler, and uh, that firm downsized, and they gave me a nice severance check and some health care, and I appreciated that. And that's when I had that conversation to myself. And this was January 2016. And at that point is when I asked myself that question. And then I started looking for jobs again. They were, they were going to be sideways now. When you're wholesaling, you, you make a pretty decent amount of money if you're good at it. And Which you were. I was. <laughs> I, had, I, I had to learn. I wasn't always good at it, uh, but I had to learn and I, and I got good at it. Uh, so I inter interviewed with other companies and, and they, gave, they were going to give me bigger opportunities. However, that's not where my passion lied. So I said, okay, what do I want to do? So I ended up going to uh, Tech Opportunity Days just to network with some of my colleagues I haven't seen in a while. And right there, I was thinking about just networking. Well, I ran into somebody at Tech, and they were like, hey, you know, we have some scholarships laying around. Why don't you pursue that PhD? Now, mind you, when I pursued my master's back in 06 at Tech, people were telling me then to pursue the PhD. <laughs> and I didn't listen, uh, but it was good. I, had a, I gained a lot over a decade of experience. So how old were you when you decided to go back for your PhD program? Mm, old. Yeah, they would say uh, elderly now, you know, no, elderly Americans, you know, because I wrote a paper and I used, I, I used older Americans. And I said, try elderly, try softer language. But uh, how old was I? Uh, let's see, I'm 40 right now. So three years, 37. I love that. There's so much pressure on people to figure out the right career path by the time they're 23, 24, 25. Mm. And so I'm, what I'm hearing from you is that it doesn't really matter. No. The age, it's... No, uh, Samuel Jackson is, is, is famous for, you know, those famous words he always says. So everybody knows who Samuel Jackson is. But uh, he has a story all the time that he didn't really pursue acting until he was 39 or 40. And particularly after a period of struggles that he had. And look at him. You know, he's almost knocking on 70. So he's had a 30-year acting career of all these accolades. So it's never too late to pursue uh, what you want to do. And even at, uh, even at 28, I think I was doing my master's degree at that time, 27 or 28, I felt that I was rushing against time. I didn't, I didn't think I had much time. But now look, fast forward 12 years later being 40, you know, and I still, I, I'm a young person. I, I have plenty of time. Uh, so it, it was just slowing down and realizing I, I have the time and not worry about where I was maybe numerically in age uh, to pursue what I wanted to do. Okay, so you were in this wholesaler role. You've had this career where you've gone through different firms. You ended up being in the wholesaler. 
You know, one of the things that we don't talk about much on this podcast is how going in that wholesaling route is actually a career path within financial planning. Yes. Can you talk a little bit more about that and how and kind of what your thoughts are on on people who are interested and care about financial planning in that role? Absolutely. Good question. Uh, my financial planning background helped me connect with the advisors that I was offering stories to. A lot of people are scared of the S word, you know, sales, you know. And I also uh, sold, quote unquote, uh, life insurance. And I keep sharing with advisors and planners that the S word shouldn't be something that we're scared of uh, because you're, you're actually selling advice as well. But here's, instead of using words like business development, you know, to reframe it, you can reframe it in this way, in my opinion, which is I never sold anything. Yeah. I never sold anything. And currently to this day, I don't sell advice. I didn't sell life insurance and I didn't sell a mutual fund. I made an offer. And if I'm being true with my offer and in my, in my fiduciary standards, so to speak, then I, I have learned about this firm enough to know how they engage with their clients and, and help them move forward. And they need a story to share with their clients in order to move them forward. So that's what, that's what I did there. I made offers in the wholesaling world and uh, that's my financial planning background helped me with that. Now, to continue answering your question, which is, you know, the diverse background that I have, I bring that to the table to, to the students. You know, you don't have to go one route. You know, so I share stories with them all the time that you can be compliance, be uh, operations. You know, that those are not... Uh, titles that are, you know, bantied about because they don't, you know, they don't get all the glamour, but that's necessary. And then if it fits who you are, which I ask young people all the time, I said, who you are is going to change a little bit, but the base is there. Uh, admit and, and acknowledge who you are and embrace it. And then you can be marketing. You could be, you know, all firms need something uh, just across the board. So just, you know, not to be limited in scope because we're talking about, you know, I know we're talking about dreaming a lot. But yes, realize who you are and don't be afraid. Ask for some advice to not to be limited to one road to success. We were just talking with somebody else on the podcast about, you know, we're having that extra thing that you're passionate about can add so much value that mm -hmm. what makes you different, what makes you unique actually makes you more marketable often. Absolutely, because you can speak on it freely. Yeah. You can speak on it freely without trying. And so yeah, that's a great point, Hannah, because I, I tend to ask my students, okay, talk to me about something you like. Just talk to me. And they may be fishing or gaming or whatever it may be. And they're like, oh man, you know, this, this new game, I, I got to this new level. And you, there's one thing that you have to do. You have to read this map and you have to bring it up and this, that, and the other. And I said, see, Find out what you like. Why are you here in this program? It, well, what do you want to do? And you need to transfer that freedom of exchange as far as communication is uh, as what we're talking about. Is that same passion of communication that you just gave me there. Transfer that to your why, why you're in this program and what you want to do. Go figure that out. That's the exercise. And they're like, well, you didn't really give me any advice, Mr. Cherry. I said, yes, I did. <laughs> <laughs> I said, go home and try that. And, and when, they, when it comes back to like, wow, you know, I, nobody's ever advised me like that. But yeah, I don't want to tell you what to go do. I want you to discover it through what you 
what you relate to and what you enjoy doing. You're in this academia program, you're getting your PhD, and then you decide to start your own firm as if you probably weren't busy enough. What kind of, what, what was your why behind starting that firm? Well, actually, my, my granddad, uh, actually, uh, I was kind of procrastinating on this firm for a while. And, and, and I'd like to share that, too. It was more, it was more about fear. Yeah. Um, and I still have that to this day to where I have to uh, do an audit of myself about that, about that fear. Yeah. And say, like for writing, for example, right now, it's like, okay, I know I can write academically, but I don't know if it's going to be good enough. Uh, so that holds me back. And I have to, I've learned enough in life to say, okay, you know what you're doing, Preston. You're, you're holding yourself back because you're, you're scared. So work through that. Yeah. And the business is the same way. I've had this idea for a while and also wanted it to be perfect. And uh, procrastination and, and having it being perfect, those are, ho- those are holder backers, you know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, it, <laughs> and it did. And, uh, and my, my grandfather passed away a couple of years ago. And right before he passed away, I went to see him. And I told him that I wanted to open up a firm and it's wanted. You see how that's the ED. It's not that I am. Mm-hmm. So I was already leading with procrastination. And um, he said, listen, I've been waiting for one of you jokers, <laughs> jokers, <laughs> to open up a business. And my dad, he's good at, at barbecue, you know, and he's, he hasn't done that yet, but he's about to retire. I think he's going to do that. He's, and when he did that, my, my grandfather wasn't sitting up straight very well at this particular time, but he was taking large breaths to, and he was straightening up his back to say something important. So he was saving his breath up to say that. And when he straightened up and looked me in the eye, that told me right then, stop procrastinating. It's not going to be perfect. Mm. And it was part of my dream, so I did it. And it was part of just the, the legacy, the family legacy, and, and seeing how much effort it took him to say those things because he knew he was... Um, probably passing on soon. And I said, I need to do this. So that's my, that's my why. And also with my niece, I, I, I wanted to show her that another thing is possible. Oh my gosh. I love it. I think one of the misconceptions that's out there is suddenly like, once you do this, you wave this magic wand and it's easy and you move forward and it's, (laughs) you know, rainbows and sunshine. Has it been a struggle or has it been easy? Like, what has that been like opening your virtual practice? Well, it's actually, you don't know what you don't know. Yeah. And uh, now I've, I've heard the stories and whatnot, uh, but actually living them, I have a, a whole newfound respect, like doing business taxes <laughs> that I had to file an extension for and taking pictures of receipts, uh, mm-hmm. doing due diligence on software, uh, that, that type of thing. And I've done that in the past, but not as it fits a particular philosophy. Yeah. So going through all the stories that I've heard about, and actually, I've, I've done with somebody else's practice before. You know, I have a newfound respect for that. Uh, that said, your word process. Great word. Uh, has it been easy? No. Um, developing a website like I wanted it to be, where I wanted people to log on and find themselves in the website and have a story be told, uh, that took a year. Yeah. So, but that was a process. I, had, I wrote every word on, on, the, on the website. And there was... Days I was like, I'm, I said, why don't the, the website designer, why don't he fix this? You know, why did he know? I did not tell him the philosophy and the dream and all that. Get some words, you know? <laughs> and he was like, no, I need you to do it. So there's, there's, there's been nights in this PhD process to where, you know, it's two or three o'clock in the morning and my eyes are cross-eyed and whatnot. Uh, so it hasn't been easy per se, but it's been enjoyable because of the process. Um, 
I heard this story by Kobe Bryant. He told a, 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 a sports writer, he, he blew out his ACL and he was out for like eight months. And then he rehabbed and then came back. He played about a week and blew out his other one. <laughs> so it's, he was out for another eight months. And the, the interviewer asked him, he said, weren't you mad that you did all that work and then you had to go back and do the work again? He goes, no, not really. He said, because, he said, I like having the basketball in my hand. But I knew in order to get the basketball back in my hand, I had, I had to immediately go back into the process. And I know it wasn't going to be easy, but I knew, he said, I had this thing attached to my, my foot every day, and I had to do these rotations on this wire. And, he's, and it was about 1,000, 2,000 reps a day. He said, but I needed to do that every day in order to get the ball back in my hands. So your word process is key. Yes, it's not easy, but you have, to, you have to enjoy that process in order to get to your goal. And if you have that, some sort of fulfillment in the process, then uh, you can attain a lot. One of the other things that I know you have that you're working on right now is writing a book. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> called Statements. Yes. So, so tell me more about what is this book, Statements? Why did you write it? And, and what, what is it about? Well, I, so I had the chapters... And I've written a, a rough of one or two. So it's, it's probably about six months from being finished. And then you know, I got through all the publications and all that type of stuff. So probably the summer. Um, but I got, I got the concept of just through experience, not, not only my clients that I've served, but also myself. And the bank statements are a, a statement of empathy and understanding someone and learning about someone because... Uh, it has a, it's a double play on the word statements. So, uh, client, when you when you request documents from your client, all right, they don't know what they are giving you because they haven't got their documents together. But they see the list and they're like, okay, we're just going to print all these out and give them to them or to to the advisor or the planner. But there's one document that they intentionally leave out every time, no matter how rich or poor, doesn't matter. It is the line item detailed bank statement. They will give you that cover sheet that says debits and credits and you know, the summary sheet, the cover sheet. Even if they take it out of the envelope and all the details are in pages two through 19, they intentionally take that out and give you the cover page. Why is that? It's because the, the statement is revealing. And I remember when I was going through, uh, I was, I, I've been through a wasteful money period of my life. I've been through you know, some personally dark times. And if somebody would have pulled my bank statement, I cannot lie about what's in those lines at all. And, and it's deeply personal. So they intentionally leave that out. So that's the first part of the statements. Well, what I really like about what you're saying is just the compassion that you're talking about and the empathy for your clients is, is recognizing, like when we ask for these documents, we're asking for a lot. Yes. You know, and often... I, you know, it's, it's so easy to just be like, oh, here's what I need. Mm -hmm. But really, like, understanding the weight of what we're asking our clients for, I think, is, is really it's, powerful. It's, uh, it's essential yeah. to understand that somebody is entrusting you with their life, their household, their family, and, and revealing something they may not want to reveal. So understanding that up front is very key. And then the statements, the second part of the statements is um, uh, the moniker at my firm is life, money, balance. You know, don't let your uh, money lead your life. Let your life lead your money and not be so reactive 
and recovery. And that's my why. It's part of my, my why, which is when I grew up, I had a good childhood. However, we were always reacting to money and then recovering from money situations. So we, we never got any financial momentum. So uh, if you don't have to do that, that, that means your money is leading your life and, and directing what your life is supposed to do or, or going. However, if you reverse that and let your life lead your money, then your goals are aligned and you're getting to realize uh, the things that you want to attain. And with that second part of the statement is, I want some statements from the people that have influenced me over the years. And I've heard some great statements, you know, some, some of those one-liners, some of those zingers. And um, so I'm going to have them contribute to the book and I'm also going to use my own, my own one-liners and, um, and I'm going to transfer that from life and also to money. So it's, got, it's a double play on words. So what's next for you? You know, it's just like a, uh, it's like a vacuum, a vortex, you know, like kind of like Star Trek or something. You know, I don't, I don't know what's on the other side. You know, all I know is, is it's, uh, it's like this, this big, big like star area. It's like, that's how I imagine it, right? It's just, it's very well lit. And he's like, well, you want me to go through that door? You know, it's kind of like uh, Patrick Swayze and, and Ghost, you know, where he's going to the other side. He's like, I got to go. You know? But he doesn't know what's really on the other side. So that's where I am right now, and I, and I enjoy that, you know, not knowing. I, 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 I don't know where, where I may end up ge- geographically. Uh, the world is my oyster, which I appreciate, and uh, I'm really appreciative of, those, uh, of the openness, you know, of not knowing. That said, uh, I do want to teach academically um, and have some in- continue to have impact at the university level. And also just continue to run my practice. Right now I have a client waiting list, but I can't serve them well right now. I I do serve clients right now. However, uh, the scale that I want to do it at, uh, I I can't give them all my attention. So I told many of them to just wait to 2020 if they can. So academia and and practicing and obviously the book and speaking. Um, So just just see where that takes me, really. And, And whatever I get into, which is... It's, I just explained that. But whatever it is, it is about maximizing myself. And I'm going dedicate to dedicate myself to the fullest, not only to maximize myself, but to maximize that impact. Yeah. And maximize that impact. And if I, I don't want to shortchange either one of the two. Because yeah. time, I, and again, living in gratitude, I appreciate the time that I'm here on this earth. And um, I call this my Benjamin Button mo- moment. You know, remember that that movie? Uh, it, it was odd through that whole movie because he was, you know, advancing in age uh, opposite, you know, going the opposite direction. But the, the, it was a love story, right? And they only had about that 10-minute moment of the movie where they could, you know, be with one another. And um, that's where I am right now. I'm in a, and I, and, and I'm a, I live in gratitude of that. Yeah. I'm in this moment to where uh, I'm finally really good at what I do and I understand uh, what I do and where I want to uh, go and who I want to impact. So being in that moment, I live in gratitude with, and I just want to maximize that. You know, you've talked a lot about having an impact and I know you talk to a lot of young planners. You love the mentoring side. I know yep. people are reaching out to you all the time. Yes. What are the themes in what you're seeing that you're talking to, to all these people all these people you're mentoring, what, what are the, the, the common commonalities on them? And like, what are like the, these kind of some of these core issues that you see as young planners facing right now? 
You know, uh, they're very good with uh, technical skill and, uh, you know, what they can help with and, and social media and they get things done checklist-wise and whatnot. So they bring a tremendous amount of value. Uh, they discover things. Uh, I used the word the other day that somebody called me old. I was like my Clint Eastwood, get off my lawn type of quote. I said, man, these, these kids, they're so, they're so spry. And somebody said, did you just use the word spry? They just tell you you're old right there. <laughs> so, so, you know, they move quickly and, and that's good. You know, they, they have, they see things that I may not see or, or, or the firm may not see. So they bring a tremendous amount of value. Um, that said, you know, they kind of see what others are doing and it's kind of like a mimic. So one of my professors told me one time, don't be a parent, you know? So when I'm, talking to young folks, I want them to discover, kind of like the exercise that I mentioned earlier, you know, um, have, have, I asked them this question, you know, have you, I know you have some people that you look up to and want to do, however, what do you want to do, you know, what is, what is your why, um, well, where, where did that come from, what type of environment would you like to be in for the next few years? And also, too, even if it's an environment that you don't want to be in, uh, be open to constructive criticism. I don't like criticism just for criticism's sake. But even if it's a job that you don't like, all right, you can take something from that. For instance, uh, some young people say, I don't want to shuffle paper or, you know, uh, gather documents and whatnot. I want to be in a client meeting. I'm like, first of all, yes, yeah, there's, there's some things to gain from being in a client meeting. But you can learn very quickly that you don't want to be in a client meeting that early without the skill set. Yeah because there's going to be a difficult situation that comes in that you can't get out of. <laughs> Somebody crying on you at a dime, you know, on a drop of a dime or something like that. But uh, one of the things I share with young people is uh, you can learn a lot uh, from a client by not even talking to them, by being, uh, in a lack of a better term, intimate with their documents, okay? You can kind of learn patterns and trends and whatnot. So, being one, becoming one with those, with the <laughs> with those documents, uh, will help your skill set of understanding people, which will help you communicate with them in those meetings. Yeah. So taking something from every instance is what I what I tell them. Even if they don't like it, there's always something to be taken from it. Oh, I love that. And even just knowing the document, it'll make you so much better. As, yes, one it's of my foundational. Oh my goodness, one of my projects I hated doing when I was in investment operations was repapering. I think it was after the Patriot Act or something like that. And I had to stamp all these suitability <laughs> papers. And that was when the copy machine where you had to load it with that perforated paper and you had to clip it on each side and run it through the machine for copying and all that. You now, are old. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but, <laughs> uh, but, that, but that said, you know, I, I got something out of that because I, I learned about suitability and what people, although they could do it, should they be doing it? And just be looking at those boxes of how much people income, you know, cause you had to do all the Patriot Act check boxes and everything like that. I, I learned from just from those papers out of repetition, I was like, you know, some of these people shouldn't be doing, you know, what, what is suggested. So, yeah. And it goes back to what my grandfather said one time. I was lifting up this big bag of leaves one time when I was a teenager. And uh, he was like, okay, let's take this, these leaves to the curb, son. And I was like, okay. And I picked up this big bag and, and I tried to throw it over my shoulder. I was 
playing sports at the time. He said, son, he said, why are you, why are you doing that by yourself? And I said, because I, you know, I can. And he said, I know you can, son, but is it smart? (laughs) 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 So, and and so I, I, I share that story uh, a lot, you know, don't think that's what suitability is. It's like, yeah, I know you can do it, but should you do it? Is it smart? And I learned that through that repapering process. Yeah. Oh, that's great. We've been talking a lot about impact. And so as we're wrapping up, I'm curious, what do you want people to say that Preston Cherry's impact is? Moving them off of unreal to real. Mm. Moving them off of unreal to real. And and some people uh, have this kind of, I don't mind people having uh, dreaming big because look, I'm dreaming big and, and doing what I need to do. But I didn't get to this point just by um, just dreaming willy-nilly, all right? I had somebody kick me the real, you know. Uh, my dad, straightforward. Uh, Dina Katz gave me the business a couple of times. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so I had some people straighten me out over the years. And it helped me um, take a seat back and, and, and measure where I was and take a real inventory of of who I was and and, or am and wanted to do uh, with some real talk and that becomes it's a hard thing to do to take self-inventory of yourself it really does and I don't expect young people to to be uh, doing that right off the bat but if somebody would have kind of coached me in that area a little a little earlier uh, maybe I would have done that exercise uh, thoroughly more thoroughly than that and that took some real talk And uh, with a little bit of real talk, I think the probability that you accomplish your dreams grows higher because you have a little reality in there and and it leads you to self-inventory. And it did for me. And um, with that real talk, it inspired me to want to maximize myself. So, yeah, I I get that a lot. You know, they're like, Mr. Chair, you you gave it to us straight. (laughs) (laughs) And and that's what I want to do because I I don't want to. I don't want to sugarcoat anything, but also don't want to um, deter dreams. Yeah. I don't want them deferred either. Yeah. So with a, real, a little bit of real talk, hopefully that gets somebody there quicker. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for, for joining us, Preston. Yes. Thank you for having me. It's, yeah. been, a, it's been long overdue. So thank, oh, thank you so been. much. Awesome. How is your work connecting you to your purpose, your community, and your values? I'm Kate Healy, Managing Director of Generation Next at TD Ameritrade. And we believe that independent registered investment advisors have the power to impact the world in profound ways. If you've never considered being an RAA, it's time to take a look. There's no better way to put your skills and knowledge to work for the greater good of your clients, your community, and your own future. Find out more at tdainstitutional.com. Love what you hear on this podcast? Join us in the FPA Activate Facebook community, where you'll find a community of other passionate planners like you. Not only that, but there are live How We Do What We Do sessions focused on what real financial planning looks like in practice. Be sure to join us there to lend your voice, become a better planner, and help grow the financial planning profession.